Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, November 1st, and this is your FT News Briefing. A massive UN conference on climate change is underway in Glasgow, and our environment reporter Leslie Hook gives us a preview. And then we've got highlights of a debate between two of our leading commentators, Rob Armstrong and Gillian Tett, go head-to-head over whether socially responsible investing can change the world. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Glasgow, Scotland is the center of our warming world right now, and it will be for the next week or so. The city is hosting the annual United Nations Conference on Climate Change, or COP26. World leaders like U.S. President Joe Biden will be there, along with climate celebrities like Greta Thunberg. The FT's team of journalists covering COP26 includes our environment reporter, Leslie Hook. She joins me now. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Mark. So, Leslie, how big is this? You know, how many people, the size of the venue, and, you know, what is it supposed to accomplish? Well, this is the biggest climate summit since the 2015 Paris Accord. There's expected to be around 25,000 people and 120 heads of state. It's also the biggest diplomatic event since the pandemic began. And the goal of this Glasgow summit is to finalize the rules of the Paris Climate Accord. So six years ago in Paris, countries came together and all agreed to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius, ideally 1.5 degrees Celsius. But they actually left a lot of the fine print to be figured out later. And that later is right now. So there's a lot of nitty gritty questions like, how do you report your emissions of your country? Like what form do you use? Who audits that report of your emissions. Another topic is how uh, can countries exchange carbon offsets, trade carbon offsets, buy and sell carbon offsets between each other? What's the framework governing that global carbon market? So we've got some really thorny details to be worked out in Glasgow. That's kind of the fine print of the summit. So this feels like a kind of a major milestone to for the Paris Agreement, right? Exactly. And some people go in even further and say this is the moment of truth for the Paris Accord. Will the Paris Climate Accord really have solid rules that mean that there's no loopholes, everyone's on the same playing field, and that it has sort of teeth, if you will? So, Leslie, how else is this COP, COP26, different from previous UN climate meetings? The COP26 this year is also a really big political moment. Even outside of the technical process, the negotiations that are going on with all the government officials, it's also kind of a bit of a a moment. It's a big stage for announcements about things countries are doing independently of the Paris Climate Accord. One of the big announcements will be about cutting methane emissions. Methane is a powerful warming uh, gas that comes from natural gas and from cows and from rice patties. We'll also see a bunch of corporate pledges around electric vehicles, uh, which is uh, which is pretty exciting. So, Leslie, I want to zoom in a little bit on China. Uh, what kind of presence does China have at COP26? Well, China is the world's biggest emitter. President Xi Jinping is not coming to Glasgow in person. Uh, he hasn't left China since the beginning of the pandemic. But China did submit a formal climate target to the UN, which said it will peak emissions before 2030. And that was basically confirming stuff that had already been said in speeches. So it was considered a disappointment by um, climate advisors. But 
What's been interesting, Mark, just in the last few weeks is we've seen quite a few of the world's biggest emitters come up with new pledges and targets. Some of these are very well thought through. Some of them are not very well thought through. We've even seen big energy producers like Saudi Arabia and Australia suddenly say that they're setting these net zero goals. We still don't really know how they're going to get there, what policies might be in place or not in place, but there has been just a flurry of new pledges ahead of Glasgow because leaders don't want to show up empty-handed. Leslie, what are you looking for in particular at this conference? I think one thing that's really unusual about this COP compared to previous COPs is the level of sort of corporate presence, CEOs, and business events that are surrounding like the outside of the COP. I mean, if you think of the COP like an onion, the center of the onion is the governments and the negotiators, and then the next layer is like the observers from uh, climate charities and, and nonprofits and scientific advisors. And then you also have protesters. And then the very outer skin of the onion usually is kind of companies. But this year, we really are expecting to see a lot of corporate announcements, particularly from car makers, from energy companies. So it's been interesting to watch how the goals of the Paris Accord have very much become something that a lot of the world's biggest companies are starting to think about and talk about. And they really want to be seen and heard uh, in Glasgow. They want to appear to be there, which, you know, on the one hand is great. On the other hand, it does raise the risk of, of greenwashing a bit. But that's one thing that definitely feels a little different to previous years. Leslie Hook is the FT's clean energy and environment reporter. Thanks, Leslie. Thanks, Mark. COP26 organizers say investors, businesses, financial groups, banks, and insurance companies, they all need to step in and ensure the planet doesn't overheat. And many already are stepping in. Trillions of dollars have poured into financial funds that invest in environmental, social, and governance criteria. It's called ESG. But there's still a lot of debate over how much benefit ESG can have. The current season of the FT's Behind the Money podcast asks this very question. And in the latest episode, host Manuela Saragossa mediated a debate between two of our own FT columnists who have very different views on this. One is Robert Armstrong. He's our U.S. financial commentator, and he's an ESG skeptic. And the other is Jillian Tett. She's the FT's U.S. editor-at-large and co-founder of the FT's Moral Money newsletter. Here are some of the highlights of their debate. Well, how about the idea it's not an either-or? It's not a zero-sum game. Uh, I just think, no, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a negative. What do you think? Right? I, th- I think that the idea that ESG is out there making things better, I don't understand how that can't make people more passive. Well, let me say this. If there was no public pressure right now, if there were no companies jumping up and down, if there wasn't any discussion, we wouldn't have been talking about a carbon price. The highest chance we have of getting people prodding the governments into doing a carbon price is a combination of the IMF yelling at them, of NGOs yelling them. So actually... I would love to believe that people would automatically do the right thing on the part of governments without wider pressure. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I think that that pressure needs to happen. And the effective kind of pressure comes on the consumer side, right? The kind of pressure that matters to a fossil fuel company is watching the number of people who buy electric cars goes up. 
Well, Robert, can I quickly jump in there and say, okay, okay, why do we have electric cars seeming cool right now? It might be because that nice man, Elon Musk, has spotted a market opportunity. He's been cheered on by investors. Tesla's share price has gone to the moon. Um, Yes, there's a load of bollocks in it. Yes, there's a bubble in it. You know, like there are many things. However, the, the very fact he has done that, coupled with the fact you have a bunch of investors in traditional mainstream car companies saying, hmm, we're not sure it's a great idea to keep producing petrol-based cars. How about you big automakers start looking at electrical cars? Suddenly means that the zeitgeist has changed, the tanker has turned. Hmm. I, would just, I would just make the strong distinction between, between the differences that our choices as consumers make and the difference between our uh, choices as owners of, of financial assets. So... Is it, in the end, is this uh, ESG, sort of this wave of money we've seen going into ESG funds, do you think, Robert, this is a fad that will pass or, or is this something that's going to stick, stick around? I don't know if it's a fad or not. What I do know is it's not going to make much difference. Uh, it, doesn't, it just doesn't matter that much except to the lawyers, consultants, and fund managers cons- who are lining up at the It matters to the, the retail trough. investor as well. It matters to the retail investor. There are some things you just can't touch and live with yourself. And that is a very legitimate moral choice, but it is not an effective form of activism that changes the world. And, and Gillian, what's such someone who cares about the environment, cares about climate change, cares about social justice, diversity, inclusion... What advice would you give if they're looking at this, at what's going on now, this debate within ESG and in ESG investing, what, what should they bear in mind? Well, I think that, you know, if they care about these issues, they should think about whether they want to actively invest in companies which are, never mind avoiding doing things they don't like, like fossil fuel, but find ways to invest in things they do like like backing, you know, renewable energy or backing companies which are actively trying to, you know, have better social norms. So there are ways to actually try and act positively, proactively to uphold what you believe in. That's Gillian Tett, the U.S. editor-at-large and co-founder of the FT's Moral Money newsletter in debate with our U.S. financial commentator, Robert Armstrong. You can listen to their full debate in this week's episode of Behind the Money, which is out now. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.